Welcome back, everyone, to The Wiser Money Show. I am your host, Zach, and we are alongside with Ken, as we will be talking about trust for the entire month of July. Now, previously, we talked, we just really introduced the trust, went over trust versus a will, the per, the probate process, but now we're just starting to get into the five mistakes that people make when actually creating this trust. So this episode is going to be focused on the number one mistake that people make, and that is leaving lump sums to children. And I know that that might sound a little counterintuitive or maybe against everything that you've ever heard. That's the whole point is giving your children this lump sum of money when you die. But we are going to bring Ken on here to kind of explain to us why that is a mistake and why that tends to be the number one mistake that people make. So Ken, enlighten us a little bit. Tell us... (laughs) Tell us yeah, well, the reason, because this doesn't make sense. <laughs> welcome, everybody. Uh, yeah, what an exciting day. You get to jump on here and listen to me talk about death and dying and, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's and kids stealing money. And <laughs> uh, I promise we're going to do some other shows that are a little bit more about wealth building and wealth growing. <laughs> well, listen, you know, it's like anything. You know, if you're going to build your house, you got to figure out the foundation. And the foundation is the most important part. What a lot of people want to do is they want to talk about wealth building and they come to me and they'll be like, well, how do I make more money? And how do I retire? How much can I live on when I retire? And I try to start with the basics. The basics are make sure you have what you have built protected first. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of history on this so that you really have an understanding where I'm coming from. So as I started my career in New York, I was doing tax returns and I was in a one of the first financial planning offices anywhere in the country in the early 80s. Back then, it was a conglomeration of you were either a stock broker, and they actually called them stock brokers back then. It's like what even now they're financial advisors, they just yeah. upgrade the terms. Um, and then there was insurance agents. There was no real financial planning. The College for Financial Planning, which I'm a member of, and you know, a lot of people in this profession are. That wasn't even a thing back then. So back then I was doing tax returns and I did remember doing these tax returns for trusts. Some of the trusts were Nevis Island trusts. Some of them were Cayman Island trusts and some of them were um, airplane trusts and boat trusts. Offshore bank accounts. (laughs) Offshore stuff back then. Back then when it was actually legitimate to do those things, you can't do those things anymore. And, you know, I would, I remember going to my boss and I'm going, I don't understand. Like, whose plane is this? Because you never ask that question. Don't ever ask that question. I said, but I don't understand who, like, who's flying the plane? The beneficiary. Well, what do you mean? Well, it's in a trust so that the beneficiary of the trust can grant the use of the airplane to whoever they want, or the trustee can do that. And I said, I don't understand. Well, because if the plane crashes, then, you know, there's a liability. If let's say somebody comes after the beneficiaries, they can't get to the airplane. Back then, it's just, I was not mature enough to really just get it. And so then I went out on my own. And after, you know, enough years, people were bringing their trust to me and asked me to be their trustee way back when. Don't do it anymore. Don't want to do it. Um, I tell everybody, being a trustee of a trust is like being on a daily episode of the Jerry Springer show. And some people don't understand, but yes, I had chairs thrown through windows 
just like the Jerry Springer show. I had fist fights in my office. I had police come in and had to handcuff everybody. I've had literally the Jerry Springer show. And people might be like, well, wait a minute. Jerry Springer has some real different, um, uh, what's the right word I'm trying to use here? Clientele, like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just, just different people, right? And <laughs> obscure had, people. Yeah, I had high net worth people. So you might think, oh, well, that would never happen. It does. It really does. Um, so it is incredible when I think it's like I, I've tried to analyze this over the years. And it, because you, you can only if you have any heart, you can only try to make sense of human nature in these circumstances. And I think it just goes back to like a caveman who like there's one piece of meat in the cave. Yeah. And instead of understanding that there's plenty of game out there that you can go hunt down for more meat, they all fight over that one piece of meat. And it's this mentality of scarcity. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what a lot of parents or grandparents really miss out on, because what they'll say to me is, oh, Ken, my kids would never do that. Oh, uh, I totally trust my kids. Not when oh, it comes to finances. No, no. <laughs> Money is that. the root of all evil. Oh, it, it's unbelievable. Um, I'll tell you one story that really gets me. And this is a fist fight in my office. And it was actually one of my best friend's fathers. Now, to set the stage, he was a PhD, principal of high school. His brother was like some kind of superintendent of the school system. We're talking highly educated people. We're also talking well-off people. They're not billionaires or multi-multi-millionaires, but they were really well-off. Mm -hmm. um, lived in the nicer parts of towns. Uh, the mom died. Dad died first years before. Mom died. And there were these physical items, paintings. And I don't even remember. This is like 30-some years ago. Um, like like trinkets. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. hold on to. Yeah, like I sentimental value pieces of things. Yeah. <laughs> And they went after each other in the conference room. And, uh, you know, I lost touch with them probably 25, 30 years ago. But I know that for years, they never talked to each other again. And it was over these ridiculous little things. Right. I had that situation in, in our family. Um, you know, I have a relative who I won't speak of. But, you know, when at, when this relative died, this person just wanted everything. The house, everything inside and wanted to start something with me and i just said you know what life's too short just take it all take it, i'm not yeah. gonna do it you know because there is not one piece of meat in the cave and this is i think how some people think and it's really sad we're going we have two clients going through it right now and the one said can't believe this i've known these kids for 45 years i've known them since they were little kids 10 year old 10 year old 10 years old it was a second marriage um but as they grew up then everything was great until the dad died. And literally, this is what just happened. The daughter of the, the dad invited herself over for dinner and was rummaging through the paperwork when the other person went to the bathroom. And then this person said, well, can I borrow the car? And our client said, yes, you can borrow the car. She wasn't at home. Well, she gave her the code to get in, 
And when she got in, she stole all the trusts. She literally took the paper out of the house. Now we had backups, but now there's contention or or uh, conflict. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, so I, I guess I want to lay the stage for a lot of times what people will do, Zach, is they'll say, well, you know, when I die, just leave 50% to my son, 50% to my daughter, and life is good. You're right. Right? I, that's how most people do it. And the unfortunate thing is, I have found that when people go see lawyers or drafters or document prep people who've not served as a trustee and they've not had this experience, what they'll do is they will not lead the client to a better outcome. Right. They will only let the client lead them in the discussion. So they'll say, well, who do you want to leave as your beneficiaries? Well, my son and my daughter. Equally? Yes. Great. And then that, they leave it at that. And that, that's how they draft it. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not going to give them legal advice, but I can give them life experience. I can give them what I've seen as a trustee. And what I can say to them is, okay, it's completely your choice, but I'm going to give you some experiences about leaving lump sums to kids. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they listen to the experience and they change their mind. So what we've actually done is we've created two types of trusts. Now, we've named this. This is not a legal term. We've named them the probate-only trust to signify that when you die, you just leave it out to the kids. Right. Lump sum, there you go. The other one is called a, a bloodline trust, which we'll get to in a minute. But the concept is we don't leave money to the kids in a lump sum. So it's good to understand the reasons why, because again, there's a term that I coined it a couple of years ago, and it's called the 3DL. So that stands, it's three Ds. It's an easy way to remember it, 3DL. There's three Ds and one L. And here's what it stands for. Death, divorce, disability, and lawsuit. And so the first way to understand this is, and it's hard because we're like in this video here and in a podcast, you can't really see this as an illustration. So I'm going to do the best I can to verbalize a visualization so you can see what the outcome is. So if you can just imagine there's a bubble, big circle, mm -hmm. and inside that circle is mom and dad. That's the corpus of what you built over your lifetime. Now, underneath that circle are two smaller circles. On the left-hand side is son. On the right-hand side is daughter. So we're going to use a really simple example of mom and dad in the top, son in the bottom in one circle who is single, daughter who's the right, the other bubble. She's married with three kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now here's, I'm going to go through and we might need to split this podcast up because sometimes it, we, people have a different situation. I want to try to go through as many as I can. So here's the first situation. And I always call this the week of disaster because a lot of times people think, well, you know, there could be a long time between death, but sometimes things happen. Sometimes they happen in a car accident. Sometimes they happen in an airplane accident. Sometimes they happen with COVID. Mm -hmm. 
you know, where we've had entire families wiped out. And so I'm going to go through this called the week of disaster. So let's presume the top bubble is again, mom and dad. And let's assume mom and dad die on Monday. So in most 99% of every distribution plan, it says on Tuesday, give 50% of the money to son and 50% of the money to daughter. So we're going to go through that and then I'll fill in the three DLs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Monday, mom and dad die. Tuesday, son gets half of the estate, everything. And we're assuming at this point, there's a trust and we're no will because then it could be years until son. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. As you've learned firsthand, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I tell people, if you really want to know what the probate process is like, just go slam your hand in the car door every single day. And it's like, okay, that's probate, <laughs> right? I mean, you you're not, you're not lying. I, I, and I was through it with one small, measly little house and it took forever, took over well, a year. Uh, you know, I had this one guy, I got, oh, this is off topic. I had this one guy come in and go to, because we just had all the states and I get a little passionate. I have to keep my uh, temper down with the courts and, you know, the probate lawyers and all the different people. Cause I just, it just inflames me just the bureaucracy and the cost and the delays and the, Oh, sorry. I told you to sign in the wrong spot. Here is it. It all, all is again, fill it all out with new information and new dates. And Oh, by the way, you got to get it in rice. Yep. And then you send it in. Oh, sorry. No, you were supposed to sign in the first spot, but now that stuff is outdated. You're like, Oh my God. And it's all billable. Yeah. All, all billable. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> So I had this one guy tell me, he says, so what you're really saying is you want everybody to get a trust for selfish reasons that you don't want to settle their estate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yes, please. Um, okay. So Monday, mom and dad die. Tuesday, what ends up happening is son gets half. We're assuming a trust. Son gets half, daughter gets half. Okay. Now let's go to Wednesday. Wednesday, son dies. So where do you think the money goes? Remember, it's not in the trust anymore. It's passed from the trust to the son. So where do you think that that money goes? It goes through probate. Probate, right? Now, let's say that on Tuesday, the daughter now gets the other half. Well, let's go back to the son. I'm going to finish this on the son. So on, on Monday, mom and dad died. Tuesday, the son gets half of the money. He dies, it gets stuck in probate. Let's use another example. Let's say he's in a car accident. Mm -hmm. Can somebody sue him and get that inheritance? Yes. Okay, good. What happens if he has a medical emergency costing millions of dollars? Can they take that money? Yes. Great. Let's assume that this is a high income earner. And let's assume that that money's in an IRA. Does he have to take it out taxable? Yes. Yes. So now you just exasperated the, the, the taxation problem. Could be an IRA, a 401k, an annuity. Annuities are tax time bombs waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. so all these different things go into the problem. Okay, well, let's, let's not get son married. Let's keep son single. 
So in single son, we basically have death as a problem. We have disability as a problem mm-hmm. and we have lawsuit as a problem. We haven't covered dis- di- um, divorce, but let's cover divorce. Okay, so now we're going to go over to the daughter. That's the other bubble. Remember, we've got one bubble at the top, mom and dad, two bubbles underneath, son and daughter. Son, we already explained the problem with leaving a lump sum to them. Okay, now we're going to get into a little deeper level, mm-hmm. what we call those trust fund babies. <laughs> And 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 what we call the gold diggers. Yep. And so now let's say in the top, we have mom and dad dies on Monday. Tuesday, son gets half, daughter gets half. Ah. Did you know that it, the statistics on CEOs that retire that get large lump sums of money? have a 35% better chance of getting divorced within a year. I did not know that. <laughs> okay. Do you know what the psychological, what they've surmised without having proof is that the spouse sitting there, probably never seeing the other spouse, probably right. putting up with a lot of stress, finally steps back and says, I don't need this bozo anymore. Mm-hmm. Whether it's now it's male or female, it used to be just all the males, right? If I could get half of $50 million, hundred million, I'm I good. With, I don't got to put up with that schmuck's business anymore. That happens all the time, I'm sure. Yeah, and lump sums, right? Well, guess what? It happens in inheritances too. So now, and I've seen it real time. So daughter gets 50%. Son sits back and goes, <laughs> mom and dad made a mistake they put that into her name yeah right now the now the husband sits there and goes half that's mine or more than half if i can prove i'm a victim of whatever they come up with yeah which i've seen just bs and so now let's say that husband divorces can they get to some or all that yes here's the old wives tale i we did talk about this on a prior episode the old wives tale is well as long as the daughter keeps it all segregated, it's separate property, it is completely protected. Absolutely not true. First, it depends on what state you live in. Number two is it depends on how you segregate it and what you use. Mm-hmm. And this is where the problem comes in. And I told tell this story about my one client in LA who came in. Now, this case had already been settled. There was nothing I could do about it. But he asked me a second opinion on it. And, you know, I said, well, listen, I can't give you legal advice, but here's the financial reason and the equity of it. So his parents left him at that time. And we're talking 15, 18 years ago, uh, left him a 10 million, which is probably worth 30, 40 million now, a $10 million apartment building in West Hollywood. Now, at the time, it was worth 1 million. uh, The income was a million dollars a year, net net. I think it was a million seven or something like that. Gross. So he was a TV episode, a TV star. And at the time he was getting paid about $3 million a year. And his wife wanted a divorce. The judge and the judges and the wife's lawyer argued that because his job was unstable, which it is. I mean, they cancel the show at any time. Right. $3 million goes away and you might not never, ever find another job. You know, Hollywood's very finicky. So they assigned the wife the income from the apartment building. 
he was ranting and raving about my mom and dad left me this. I was told as long as I kept the property in a separate in my own name, as long as I kept the checking account in my name, they could never touch it. I said, well, that's not what the judge said. The judge said they can't sell the property from underneath you and give half to her, but they can take the economic benefit from that asset. So, of course, he's angry, mad, still mad. Um, it's unfair. But he he said, I, I read the judge's opinion and I just want your opinion. Is this how it works? I said, well, what does your attorney say? Well, why and why are you asking me this? And he said, I just need a non-lawyer's opinion. Okay. So, yeah, this is exactly fair because what you did was you built up her lifestyle by bringing the income into the marital finances. She got used to that. You bought your house with that income. You bought the cars. You took the travel. You took all that with that income. So he assessed that was part of marital assets or marital income. So he, and, and, and I won't repeat the words that he said. So are you telling me I have to, you know what, this manage this property for the rest of my life and she gets all the income? So yeah, pretty much so. And he couldn't sell it. Yeah, well, he could sell it. But, but she gets half. She, no, she doesn't get half if he sells it. Okay. But he still has to give her that amount of income. So if he sells it and puts it into an investment, she's got to get that income. So he assessed alimony in a certain amount. And obviously that amount had to come in from somewhere. And so he assessed it could come in from the rental income, but if he sold the property, he still had to give her that million dollars a year. So, you know, you look at somebody like, uh, um, not Robert Duvall, gosh, who's the other guy? Who's the other Italian famous actor? He's paying $3 million a month in alimony. Um, and he just has to take all these junk jobs because he has to pay $3 million a month in alimony. Right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It'll hit me in a minute. It's not Robert Duvall, but it's it's one of those big guys. Um, always play, played opposite. He was in Heat. You know who I'm talking about? I don't. Uh, okay. You're the movie guy, not me. We uh, established I can't, I that know. It's, it's, it's just the tip of my tongue. I lost it. But Still anyway. never saw that movie War War something that you said I have to. <laughs> what was it? I, you told me to watch like War Hawk or War. I forget what it was, but I'm not a movie guy, so I don't watch okay, it. Okay. <laughs> so see, there's my memory going. I don't even remember. That. Okay. So, um, God, now I, now I can't remember the guy's name now. It's bugging me. <laughs> Um, all right, it's killing me. I got to look this up when, when we're done. So anyway, make a long story short. The old wives' tale of um, somebody having a guarantee that if you pass your assets to them, that the spouse can't touch it is not accurate. There are even states um, like Michigan. Here's a great example. Michigan, if you have an affair on your spouse, it's considered a felony in Michigan. And there's other states like this. And then they can assess unequal um, attribution in in distribution of income and assets. So even if somebody makes the claim, I mean, it's just crazy that people think, oh, well, the legal system is fair. Oh my gosh, it is far from fair. Yeah, yeah it's not. You leave it up to that one individual to make a decision on your life. And... It's the judge. You know, my dad is a great example of that. He was married uh, second time, 
for third time, 17 years, and in California, he gets divorced. And listen to this. He he retired right when he got married to this woman. The judge assessed 65% of his pension and social security to her. She wasn't even married to him when she got that uh, a grant, right? Right. And the bottom line was she just showed up. She played victim, cried, you know, played poor, played health problems, all lies. But this is how it works. It's not mm-hmm. a system of equitable distribution. So if you leave a lump sum to a child, now we hit that fourth one. We covered with the son. And those things are still evident with the daughter. You could have death, a death, disability, lawsuit, and now divorce. And those are the three DLs. Right. So the minute that she gets that, if there's a divorce, he can get to it. Amounts, I don't know. That's all up in the air. There is no standard. Right. There's too many variables. Now, I'll tell you what, let, let's do this. Let's explain, help you understand first. This is my opinion. I don't think it's ever, 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 never, never, never. Like big neon signs on your forehead, <laughs> stapled, uh, tattooed, never leave a lump sum to a child. So, so what do you do? How do you, how do you allocate that differently? Well, okay. So first there's this, this belief and this belief is, well, I want to leave them a lump sum of money. Why? What does, let me ask you a question in, in no matter what asset it is. And, and this is important, even if we're planning for retirement, mm-hmm. if we're planning for a business, if we're planning for any kind of asset, what is the most important thing of that asset? If you ask any billionaire when they buy an asset, what's the most important thing? Cash flow. Right. It's cash flow. You could be sitting on a billion dollars of crypto and all of a sudden it's now worth a hundred thousand. Right. It pays no income at all. Warren Buffett, if you ask Warren Buffett, what is the number one goal that he has when he buys an asset? What is the cash flow of the company? If it's negative cash flow, he doesn't buy it. Right. Right. He he bought Apple after many, many years of staying out of Apple. He bought Microsoft many, many years until those tech companies got to a positive cash flow. We're now Apple sitting on close to a trillion dollars in in retained earnings cash, right? Mm-hmm. So nine hundred billion or something like that. So he buys cash flow. So let's let's set a standard here. We don't need to leave children a lump sum of money that they can screw up. We don't need to leave kids a bucket of money so that somebody else can steal it, manipulate it away, sue it away. That has nothing to do with leaving a child something. And I don't care if you told me. And this is the funny part. When I get somebody, uh, we're actually going through this right now with a client that I've had for, God, almost two decades. And the son is worth way more than the dad. The dad's worth maybe 10, 12 million. The son's probably worth 50 million. And the dad's like, but I want to leave it to you. And the, the son's like, I don't want it. You don't understand. Just leave it in a protected trust. If I need income from it, I'll get it. But other than that, all I want is a cash flow. I don't want the lump sum. Right. Okay? So. If you really take wealth building, you don't leave and you don't pass down lump sums. Now, I talked about the 3DLs. What I actually didn't talk about 
is if you have a situation where there's a larger estate or an IRA, every single time that a generation passes that you leave in a lump sum, the IRS is going to tax it every jump, every generation. So if you build to 100 million and you don't have a good plan, your kids will get 50 million. Your kids die the next day, their kids get 25 million. The next day, their kids get 12 million. Every jump of the way, the IRS is going to take anywhere between 25 to 50 percent once right. you reach a certain limit. I, I'm not going to get into that today, but mainly the concept is don't leave a lump sum to anybody unless it's a charity. Now, mm -hmm. even some charities, we will advise don't leave a lump sum, leave an income to them. And that income should be protected and the asset base should be protected. And if I gave you the choice of saying like lottery winners, now that might be a different choice because if somebody said, well, should a lottery winner take a lump sum or should they take a lifetime income? Well, I would tell them to take a lump sum because then you own it. Yeah. Like, well, like you know, the podcast we did on social security Yep. Right, <clears throat> where, you know, if you don't take it early, you don't get anything. You might die. lose it. Yeah, you'll lose it. Right. So that works the same way with a lottery. You know, you spread out 10, 20, 30 years, you die the next day, it's all gone. Mm -hmm. Versus take the lump sum that you might take pay half cat or tax on, but it's yours, you own it now. And now you can do whatever you want. Now you could put it into a protected trust, right? Versus the annual income. Mm -hmm. um, so going back to the kids and the lump sum, if you leave a lump sum to a child, they could lose it through death, disability, divorce, lawsuit, and obviously generational taxes. So I'll tell you what we'll do. Um, let's pick this up in another episode. And then what I'll do is uh, I'll explain what we do to actually protect it within a trust. Sound good? Yeah, that, that works for me. As long as it works for our viewers, that's fine with well, me. <laughs> here's a great thing. If you're listening to this on a podcast, or you're watching it on YouTube, uh, you can always just hit next video or, you know, you can just go to the next episode and it's like you're listening to us uh, seamlessly. Now, if you're listening to this on the first day of release, I think there's what, three to five days in between releases. Yep. Sorry about that. I hate <laughs> cliffhangers. <laughs> I, you know, I love Yellowstone, but man, when like you're watching it and it ends. Yeah. <laughs> come on now. That is not right. <laughs> Have to hit next episode right away and then realize it's over an hour. I can't or, commit to it. <laughs> or like it's not off for another week and you know taylor sheridan who, who writes for yellowstone is a master at that because then you don't want to miss the episode <laughs> right so, i'm sorry if you're if you're listening to this but i promise you that we'll we'll fill in the blanks on the next episode absolutely so with that we will finish up our first mistake that you should never do with creating a trust and we'll segue into the second one on the next episode as well all thank right. you all for listening See you all soon. Sounds good. Take care.